Welcome to the Passionpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Ryan C. Green. We're here again for another episode, another week. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for everything you've done and all the help you've been. We've got another exciting show for you today. Before we get to that, I want to make sure that you go ahead and make sure you uh, subscribe to the show. Make sure you've left a comment. Have you left a comment this week? Have you left a review on your podcast uh, provider, letting them know that you love the Passionpreneur Podcast. Have you done that? Make sure you go out there and do that this week uh, so that we can go ahead and continue to grow this show. Thank you for all your support and all your listens. We've got another great show for you. But before we get into the show, you know we've got some announcements to make. So let's get right to those. When I was getting started in my business, the one thing I wish I had was a group of professionals who had already had success doing it before to help me along the way. That's why I put together the Mastermind Exchange. We're bringing you professionals and experts to help the next group of entrepreneurs get started in the right way. The more small businesses we can help get it done right, the better it is for every entrepreneur in the marketplace. There will be 13 experts sharing insight and expertise on how you can build a better business for 2020. This virtual summit is totally free to attend, but you must register for access. To save your spot and select your sessions, simply go to www.mxsummit20.com and register. The power of the mastermind is the synergy created when multiple minds come together. So in that vein, don't keep this to yourself. Spread the word and invite your entire team, staff, or friends. We'll see you on January 17th and 18th. There'll be tons of great teachings to help you master business, as well as many giveaways, prizes, and surprises. Register now for the Mastermind Exchange 20 at www.mxsummit20.com. Will this finally be the year that you write your book? Hi, I'm Ryan C. Green, and as an author coach, I get asked the same two questions all the time. Question one is, how do I write my book? And question two is, how do I sell more books? And at the Six Figure Author Mastery Masterclass, we're going to teach you how to do both. This upcoming class is going to teach you on day one everything you need to know about how to write your book in three days so that you can finally get off the couch and get your book done this year. No more excuses. I'm going to show you my proven system on how to get your book done within three days so that you finally can get your book published. And then on day two, we're talking all about how to sell more books, how to go out there and maximize the revenue from your book. So if you've not written your book yet and you want to finally learn how to write your book, this is for you. If you've written a book already and you need to know how to sell more books, this is for you as well. So you can go now and register. Space is limited. We're only taking 12 people per master class. The next upcoming class is open for registration right now at www.sfamasterclass.com. That's S as in six, F as in figure, A as in author, masterclass.com. Go ahead and save your seat right now www.sfamasterclass.com. I look forward to helping you turn your $20 book into a six-figure revenue stream. And welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ready to jump right into this show. Excited about our guest today uh, because uh, this information we're going to share today is something that any passionpreneur, any entrepreneur, anyone who is out there trying to do something for themselves in the business realm uh, is going to want to hear about. Uh, make sure that you are ready to take notes if you're driving pull over right now <laughs> okay maybe not right now but just make sure you listen to it again so you, when you can take notes uh but this uh, uh information i want to share today is going to be so important for you all uh this young lady i met at an event uh we connected started talking and and, and she really has some great information to share with you 
Uh, so I'm uh, going to bring her on today. We're going to talk about uh, small business credit. And I made the mistake of not making sure I knew how to pronounce her last name. So I'm going to take a stab at it. I'm going to welcome Miss Asu Mustafa to the show. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And you pronounced it perfectly. So yes. <laughs> thank you for that. Awesome. Glad I did that. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, you know, and you are with the SBA. Well, you're not with the SBA. You're with uh, a bank, but you represent the SBA program. So tell, introduce yourself to our audience. Let them know exactly what you do. And then we'll go from there. Absolutely. So I am with um, with the bank, which is Wilmington um, Fund Saving Society. Um, and that is a bank um, headquartered in Wilmington, Delaware. And what I do is I specialize in the SBA, Small Business Administration Lending Program at Wistis Bank. And really what that program is, a government-funded program, and it allows um, lenders like Wistis Bank and other national banks to be able to lend to small businesses. Um, SBA is a great program for startups, um, a great program for existing businesses who are looking to expand, um, who are looking to purchase real estate, um, who are looking to potentially buy out a partner, um, and working capital. So it's a great program all around. And I will have an opportunity today to kind of share some some overviews, some, some points about the SBA program and how you how a business owner can leverage that to be able to, to get capital to either start a business or infuse cash into the business. Awesome, because, you know, when we're talking about business, uh, that's like the number one thing that every business owner is looking for is more capital, is more money. Uh, whether they're mm-hmm. looking for it at the right time or not is a different conversation, but they all we all need more money. And, and there's so Correct. many uh, yeah. programs with the SBA they offer. Um, and I think you said you, you work specifically with uh, one type of program. Uh, explain some of the programs that are available out there. Sure. Um, actually, if you were to go to SBA.gov, you'd see a whole plethora of programs. Um, there's so many programs out there that the SBA supports, but each bank can choose which program they would like to, to utilize. So in my case, my bank um, le- leverages a 7A program, and we also leverage a 504 program. And the key difference between the 7A program is the 7A program is more so the flagship product for SBA. Um, usually most business purposes fall under the 7A. So if it's working capital, if it's an acquisition, if it's a purchase of real estate, um, if it's a, a line of credit, typically it would fall under that 7A program. Then you have on the other side a 504 program, which is primarily used for fixed asset purchases. So if you're buying a piece of real estate, if you're buying heavy machinery, that probably is a program you should look into because typically with that program, um, it's, it's a lot more attractive if you're buying a piece of, of, of a fixed asset. So those are the two programs that at my bank we utilize. Awesome. Now, what are some of the biggest misconceptions or, or maybe one or two of the myths that people may have when you think about the SBA? Because I know when we sat down and we talked, uh, you know, that we, you said that, there's some things that people may have a, mis- a misconception people may have, or maybe they think that the SBA mm-hmm. is, is they're not ready for that. So talk about some of the, maybe the myths or misconceptions that you uh, want people to understand and, and get over. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, a lot of the myths that I hear out there are, you know, the, the biggest misconceptions are, you know, the SBA takes too long. Um, you know, SBA makes loans directly to people. Um, to individuals and businesses. That's also a, a misconception out there. Um, SBA can be expensive or is expensive. 
um, or FDA rates are higher. So um, those are the top, you know, four that I typically hear um, from just talking with people on an everyday basis. And I would definitely say, um, you know, all of those are misconceptions, and I'm here to kind of debunk that. So, for example, um, the first one that I said, which is SBA takes too long. Uh, the reason why it takes too long is, A, either the borrower is working with a non-preferred lender, meaning that they don't have the direct authority to make a decision on an SBA loan. So, therefore, that bank has to send that package directly to SBA. So, that means that bank has to collect the information from you. Um, in some cases, they will do their internal underwriting. And then before they can actually approve it on their own, they have to actually send that package out to SBA. So depending on the SBA's workload or, God forbid, as a government shutdown, um, you know, that could really impact the timeline. So you could be looking at anywhere as short as two weeks to get a decision back from SBA, or it could be anywhere up to three months. It just depends on the level of, um, you know, what the request is for and how much work that bank has done. So that is one way to impact the timeline. I would definitely say if you are in the market for an SBA loan, you would want to work with a bank that is a preferred lender, meaning that they actually have direct authority and can improve their loans in-house. So that would definitely cut on the timeline. And you also want to work with a preferred lender that has a local person who specializes in SBA. Um, SBA is a, a neat type of lending, so there's a lot of expertise and experience that goes along with that. Um, that really will help the borrower navigate that process. Um, there's a lot of eligibility criteria that the project must meet, and you want to make sure that you're working with uh, a specialist that understands that and has expertise in that field. So that is why, if in some cases, if the project takes longer, those are the biggest reasons why it, it, it would take longer. Um, so that is a myth out there. They said the way to mitigate that is just to work with a preferred lender and work with a, a person who's local um, that you can meet with and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation that can walk you through the process. Um, the other um, myth that is out there is that SBA makes loans directly to individuals or businesses. That is the biggest misconception that I've, that I've heard out of all the four. Uh, so SBA, um, like I said, with Stanford Small Business Administration, it's a guarantee program, meaning that they provide, essentially, they provide insurance to lenders. So I don't know if, you know, most borrowers are familiar with FHA, which is on the residential side. Right. It works very similarly to an FHA loan. So, for example, if you go to get a mortgage and you don't have, you know, the 10% or 20% to put down or maybe a credit is not, you know, perfect, then, you know, the, the bank may utilize FHA. And the reason why they utilize FHA is because they get insurance from FHA. So if the loan was to ever go bad, they would get the they would get repaid by the government. So this is typically how the SBA loan works. So the SBA provides insurance to lenders, the bank makes the loan, and in the case of a default, um, the the SBA would would reimburse the bank whatever the default was or the whatever the the shortfall was. So that's in a nutshell how the SBA works. So you would not be able to go to SBA and apply for a loan directly. Not unless it was a disaster loan, which is a whole separate division of SBA, which they work with, you know, um, you know, situations where people have um, incurred a disaster and they need funding, that they do lend directly to, to businesses and individuals. But for business loans, they do not lend directly to individuals or businesses at all. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions. So you would have to work with a bank in order to get SBA funding. Um, SBA is too expensive. So I'll be honest with you, when you look at 
um, what's out there for entrepreneurs. You have private equity, you have, you know, people who are looking to invest, you have, you know, FinTech lenders, which is online lenders. Um, you know, you have these unsecured loans out there, uh, unsecured loan companies out there. You typically would find your interest rate is typically higher to typically above that 7 to 8% range. Um, I'll be honest with you, when you look at all of the um, products out there for small businesses, SBA is typically going to be the cheapest form of financing for, let's say, a riskier industry or a riskier loan. You know, the more risk associated with the project, the more the bank is going to charge on their pricing, which is the rate and the fee. So um, I'll be honest with you, if you are a startup or if you're in a higher risk industry, such as, you know, restaurants or, um, you know, gas stations, hotels, industries that have a higher propensity to fail, um, you're probably going to be paying upwards of 9 to 10% and onwards of that. But if you leverage an SBA loan, typically your rates are going to be in that 7 to 8% range, depending on what the market is doing. Um, so I would definitely say if you are in a higher risk industry or maybe your credit is not perfect, um, you definitely want to look into SBA because, as I said, across the board of what products are out there for, for someone like that, SBA is going to be your cheapest form of financing. Awesome. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, and that, then last thing I just wanted to touch uh-huh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Last thing. No, the last myth I wanted to touch on is SBA rates are higher. And they kind of, you know, uh, falls right in line with what I was talking about as far as the type of risk associated with a loan. So every loan has some type of inherent risk. So it just depends on what the layers of risk are. So with that being said, the higher, the, the riskier the loan, the higher the rate is going to be. As I said, SBA is typically the cheapest form and from a, a fee and rate perspective. So when you're looking at all of your options, you know, the rate might be slightly higher. It just depends on, you know, what the project entails and what the risk is. But um, typically for an SBA loan, you're probably going to be anywhere from 50 basis points to 1% higher than a conventional loan. Um, but it can go up from there. It just depends on the situation. But for the, for the most part, it might be slightly higher, but I, it, like I said, when you look at all the products out there, S three tends to be the cheapest. So, wow, that, that's very good information. Thank you so much for that that uh, explanation. Mm-hmm. Now, um, before we get into the credit piece, uh, is there an ideal uh, SBA loan customer uh, for those business owners right now who who think, oh, I'm gonna call uh, Asu right now and get me a loan? Um, you know, what, mm-hmm. what should people be doing to prepare themselves to become that ideal uh, customer to, to get approved for these loans? That's a great question. I wish all of my business owners asked that question before they actually, you know, <laughs> apply for a loan. So I would definitely say you want to make sure that you contact your local bank, the bank that you have a relationship with, and see if they do SBA lending. I can tell you most lenders out there are doing SBA, so I would definitely start with your established bank that you have a relationship with. Um, secondly, I would definitely say you want to look at your business. So you want to look at to see, because there are some certain eligibility criteria, which you can actually find on SBA.gov, or if you Google SBA, you know, a whole list of criteria will come up, but you would want to start to figure out whether your business is eligible. So eligible businesses for SBA have to be a for-profit. So if you're a nonprofit, you're not eligible for SBA. If you're also involved in speculative investments, meaning that let's say you're a, a real estate developer or you flip houses, things like that, that is not an eligible SBA business. 
Um, also, too, if you do anything that has any religious um, association with the business, um, that also makes you ineligible. So you want to make sure that the business is a for-profit business. And also, too, you want to make sure the business has a, is either set up as a sole proprietorship, LLC, a corporation, or C-corporation, because um, that is what's going to determine the eligibility. So from that standpoint, that's where you want to start. After that, I would definitely say um, if you have not applied for a loan in the past year and you don't know what your credit is or you want to pull your credit, so I would definitely recommend that all borrowers pull their credit from annualcreditreport.com. Legally, they have to provide an annual, an annual credit report to you at least once a year. So you want to start there to see if there's any errors in your credit report because um, most of the banks, actually all of the banks, are going to pull your credit to determine whether you qualify for the loan as part of the qualification process. Credit is not the only thing that the bank looks at, but they start there. So you want to make sure that you pull all three credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax, and make sure there aren't any errors in your credit report. And if there are errors, you dispute it directly with the credit bureau and try to get that off of your credit report. Um, if your credit is, is is not perfect, if you get some, you know, derogatory information, um, you want to make sure that you're at least 12 months from that. Just because some most banks are going to start from 12 months or later. So if you have anything, anything negative, you want to make sure at least that derogatory mark or negative mark has aged for at least 12 months or so. So I definitely would say that once you've looked at your credit and made sure it's up to par, and most lenders are looking for credit between 660 or more. So um, as long as you have a credit score of 660 or more, you should be okay. Um, you also want to make sure if you've had any bankruptcies, you know, that bankruptcy has aged as well. Um, also, if you have applied, if you had an SBA loan under another business type or other under another business entity that defaulted on an SBA loan, um, you are barred from using SBA ever. Uh, in addition to that, if you've ever defaulted on any type of government loan, whether it's an FHA loan, um, if it's a student loan, if you defaulted on any of that, you are barred from using SBA. Um, if you are on parole or if you're on probation, you're a bar, you are barred from using SBA until you're off of probation. And also depending on what the, um, you know, what the, the arrest was for, um, you may be barred from using SBA. It just depends on the situation. So those are all of the things that I would do from a credit perspective. And I'll talk about how that plays into the five C's of credit. But um, I would definitely, you know, look at your background, look at your credit, make sure that's up to par before you apply for a loan. After you've done all of that, then you come to your business, right? So that's when you look at your business and look at, okay, am I a startup? Because if you're a startup, the bank is going to ask for certain information. Um, they don't have tax returns that they can rely on, so they're going to ask you for your business plan and your resume. So I'll definitely say before you apply for an SBA loan, you do your business plan, you do a two- to three-year forecast for what you project your numbers to be, you work on a resume, highlighting all of your experience, especially if it's you know, direct industry experience that you've had in your industry. You want to, you know, highlight that. Um, so I would start there and, and talk to your, your your business advisor at your at your bank and see what their thoughts are initially on the business plan. That's something that I provide to my clients. I, you know, talk with them and give them advice and, you know, sometimes consult them on what a business plan should look like. So we can give that information or that feedback. Um, so that's only something that I would do. So those are the steps that I would take. And then as I talk about the five pieces of credit, you'll see how that kind of all plays plays up on each other. 
All right, great. So let's jump right into that. The five C's of credit. Uh, let's go ahead and start uh -huh. with that first C. Why don't you give it to us? All right. So there's five C's of credit. And I would encourage all business owners to do some research on what that is and what that looks like. Uh, because that is the bare minimum for what banks look at, okay? So that's their criteria to determine whether uh, whether a, a loan request should be approved or not approved. So you want to be up to date on what that looks like and make sure that you've met each C. So um, I wanted to start with the first one, which I think is very important. And actually, um, that's really something that usually when I'm looking at a deal, um, that is typically, if I, if, I would, if I were to be honest, um, this C that I'm about to talk about is actually, you know, the, the C that most loans are declined for, the reason why loans are declined, and it's character. So character pretty much means, as I was alluding to before, regarding personal credit, business credit, background, things like that. That is your character. The bank doesn't know you. The bank doesn't know you on a personal level. They don't know what you do in your community. Um, they don't know people you've helped in the past they don't they don't know you you're you know you're just you're, you're 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 not coming to them trying to establish a relationship so the way they can attest your character is through your personal credit through your business credit and through your background meaning that you know you haven't had any arrests or felonies or, or, or things like that so that is what your character represents so you want to make sure before you apply for an SBA loan your credit is up to par there isn't any derogatory or negative information. Um, you know, as far as background goes, if you've had an arrest, you've paid your debt to society, you've served your time, uh, and you've kept all of those records too, because that's also something that, um, that, that, that I see a lot is that, you know, someone may have had arrest, an arrest when they were in college or something for something minor, but, um, you know, they, they were told that it was expunged from their record. And then when we do a background check, it comes up and the person says, well, I thought it was expunged, so I never kept any of those records. You have to keep the records because SBA is going to ask for that as part of the eligibility. So I would definitely say from a background credit perspective, that really is what character means to the bank. And you just want to make sure that before you approach a bank, um, you know, you have all of that tied up. Um, so the second C um, is collateral. So one of the great things about SBA is that they do loans for uncollateralized deals, meaning that, you know, you're a startup and most startups don't have collateral, right, because you're just starting out. So the SBA does mitigate against a collateral shortfall. However, if there is collateral available, the SBA does require that that lender take it. So, for example, the most common thing that happens is you have a, a, a business owner who's looking to start up a business and they own personal real estate. They have, their, they have their primary residence or they may even have an investment property. If there is available, if there, if there is available equity in those properties, the bank is going to have to take that as, um, as, a, as, as collateral. Um, but if you don't have collateral, the SBA still allows the lender to make the loan. But if you have collateral um, available, such as your primary residence, investment, real estate, or even assets of the business, like I said, it's not only startups that apply for SBA, there are existing businesses that use SBA too, you have to be prepared to leverage those assets as, as collateral to the bank. So the more collateral you have, the less risky the loan is. So if you have personal real estate, investment real estate as collateral, if you have equipment, inventory, cash on hand, um, all of those things are great collateral pieces. 
um, I would definitely say if you are able to price that or you're willing to price that, it will make your loan, it would make your application a lot stronger. So um, that is collateral um, that the bank looks at as part of the five C's. Um, the third C is capacity. Now, this goes back to what I was talking about regarding your business plan. If you are a startup, the bank does not have any historical tax returns to look at. So they're going to rely on your business plan to demonstrate their repayment source, which is going to be cash flow from your business. Um, so you want to make sure that your business plan is robust, meaning that you've talked through marketing, you've talked through your client base, you talk through the services you're going to provide, you've talked through management, you've talked through all of those key things to demonstrate that you are going to be able to execute on your business plan. Because as like I said, that is what the bank is going to be relying on to demonstrate you have the ability to pay the loan back. So um, capacity, that is capacity um, in a nutshell. If you are an existing business, then if you have a circle tax returns, the bank is going to use that. I would definitely say you want to make sure that you are filing your tax returns on time. And if you're on extension, you know, you want to make sure that you have your internal numbers prepared because the bank is going to request for that to determine whether you can, whether you can pay the loan back or not. So capacity, that is how the bank determines your cash flow. And they're going to look at either your business tax returns, your personal tax returns, or, um, you know, the, the business plan to demonstrate capacity. Um, The next C is conditions. So conditions pretty much mean, um, typically means things are outside of your control. Meaning that let's just say you are in a business that, you know, is cyclical, right? Meaning that whatever um, the economy is doing is going to impact your business. So let's say you are a, um, a luxury retailer, right? Let's just use that as an example. Well, when the economy is good, people buy luxury, right? But if the economy, if we're in a recession or people don't have jobs, then your luxury business is going to be impacted. So you want to make sure that if you are in an industry that's cyclical, you want to make sure that you um, mitigate that as much as you can. You can't really control what the economy is doing, but you can control, you know, how your business you know, pivot when something happens like that, right? Maybe there's a, a way to to do something, you know, outside of what your original thought process was to help mitigate what's happening with the economy. So that is conditioned. Um, if there's pending legislation, let's just say you are a doctor or you're in the healthcare industry and there's pending legislation that's going to affect, you know, how you collect on insurance or something like that, that is conditioned. That's going to impact your ability to pay back the loan. So pretty much anything outside of control um, is what conditions tend to be. And you want to make sure that you're up to date on what, you know, what's happening in your industry, you know, from a legislation standpoint, what's happening from a legal perspective that could potentially impact your business. So that's simply what conditions mean to the bank. Um, and you want to make sure that in your business plan, you've also addressed that. At, you know, another thing, too, that I've been coming up, uh, coming up, coming up against um, in the past three to three years is Amazon. Amazon is really disturbing the marketplace. And if you are a retailer, um, you know, you have to address Amazon. And Amazon is a condition. So, yeah. (laughs) Putting everybody out of business. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, those, like I said, that's outside of your control. So um, that is a condition that banks look at. And banks 
you know, typically are up to date on what's happening in each industry. So you want to make sure at least that you've addressed that in your business plan. And if you are an existing business, if you have historical trends, the bank can see that you've made, you know, you've made it out of those recession points or things like that. So um, that's pretty much what um, conditions mean in a nutshell. Um, capital, that's the last B. Um, so capital is your skin in the game, right? So if you're a startup business, the bank wants to see that you have personally put some type of equity in that business, whether it's cash, whether it's collateral, whatever it is, because they want to ensure that you are not going to let that business fail. And industry, uh, and industry research shows that um, people that have invested money of their own money typically do better than businesses that don't have people that have put their own money into the transaction. Um, so from a banking perspective, um, they want to see that you've invested some type of capital of your own into the business. Um, if you're a startup, you may not have capital, you know, that you would per se, you know, have to put into the, that you have saved up to put into the business. But that's really where, you know, working with your lender and seeing what resources are out there for you could be very helpful. Um, again, you know, the bank wants to see that you put some of your own money into the transaction. For example, SBA, um, they really want to see a minimum of 10% down, whether that's purchasing real estate, whether that is, um, you know, equipment loans, um, if it's a partner buyout, if you're acquiring a business, you know, they want to see that you put at least 10% into the transaction. If it's purely a, a working capital request, you don't have to inject any of your own equity into that. But I can tell you from experience, if you're a startup and you want to buy an existing business or you want to start your own business, they want to see that you put some capital of your own into the transaction. So I would just say to on the safe side, just at least have 10% aside for any type of business venture you're looking to get into to demonstrate that you have the capital to inject into the transaction. Um, but yeah, I think I've covered all of the C's, capacity, character, capital, conditions, and collateral. Um, so yeah, those are the, those are the, the terms, or at least the, the um, ideas that the banks like to look at when they're looking at a transaction. And those, these are all of the things that I, I look for um, to make sure that the project has met before I even submit the loan, because I want to ensure that my borrower has the best chance of approval because you really only get one shot at this. So you want to make sure that your that what you submit is your best and you put all of your effort and, and, and thought into it. And that's really going to come across in the package that is received by the bank. So, so much uh, powerful information and important information because you, you, I think that when you lay out those five C's, it makes it real to people to understand exactly, you know, what the banks are looking for. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter how, important your business is to you how much you think it's going to change the world if you can't come with a plan uh and address those five c's and and have that uh you know all of those that good character that collateral i have the capacity and the conditions in place and also some capital uh then you have to find other sources and and that's what i think that um a lot of entrepreneurs overlook. Uh, they think that, you know, their idea is great. So the bank will get it and just give them money. And that's just not how it mm-hmm. works. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, awesome. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I definitely think entrepreneurs um, have to educate themselves on what options are out there. Um, and you want to make sure that every opportunity you're positioning your business in the best light. As I said, you know, 
nine times out of ten, you're going to only have you're going to only have one shot at it with the bank. And as I said, you want to make sure that that shot that you have, you you have all your ducks in a row, and you position it as best as you can. So um, that is my advice to entrepreneurs. Yeah, and what I'm also hearing is that you need to be prepared and know that if a SBA loan or any kind of bank loan is something that you're trying to do in your future then you need to know how to govern your steps now to prepare yourself for when that time comes uh, that, that you, yeah. you have those things in order and you can show that you are um, ready for that kind of commitment. So, so great. Absolutely. And I did want to put a plug in for SBA. So <laughs> um, there's actually two resources out there that I wanted to make sure all entrepreneurs are aware of. Um, there's two um, nonprofit organizations that SBA actually funds and supports, which is called the Small Business Development Center and SCORE. So those are two actually funded um, programs by SBA that provide, that provide free resources to business owners. And what they do is they actually have, and actually in every county, I would say, they have an office, or at least they should have an office, um, that you could actually go to. And typically, the people that are there that would be supporting you are retired, you know, bankers, um, retired business owners, and they are consultants. And what they do is they'll be able to sit down with you. So if you have an idea um, and you want to kind of put that to paper, they can help you with that. Um, they can help you craft your business plan. They can help you with your projections. Um, they can help you with getting industry-related information to support your business plan. They have templates you can use. They even offer classes in some of the, the centers. So I would definitely say um, if you're looking to go apply for an SBA loan, but you don't know where to start regarding your business plan on how to even do your projections, that's a great place to start. And again, you know, it's a free resource for you. You know, if you're taxpayer, taxpaying money at work, um, then I would definitely leverage that if you can. And I can tell you um, if you've had the help with, from an SBDC or a SCORE, um, it is looked favorably by the bank because they know that you've had help. Um, they know that the help that you're getting is reputable. Um, and most most um, SBDCs and scores um, know exactly what the banks are looking for because, as I said, the consultants are typically retired bankers themselves. So they're able to kind of give you that knowledge that you otherwise would not be able to get. So I would definitely leverage that if you can. You can go search it on Google, put SBDC, your county will come up. Um, you can actually reach out. Most of the, you know, small business development centers, they actually have the profiles of the consultants and which areas they cover. So you can reach out to them directly. But I would definitely say leverage that if you can because they can really help you with your business plan and position your business in the best light to the bank. Awesome. Great inside information there. Legal mm -hmm. inside. Oh, I have specific <laughs> legal. You know, I forgot bankers you can't be talking yeah. about. So, but uh, great. Yep. Uh, Asu, thank you so much for your uh, great information on today. I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and uh, give any final words and also any contact information for those who are listening uh, to reach out to you. Sure. Thank you. So, again, as I said, you know, I, I, I'm, I work for with this bank. Um, as I said, it stands for Wilmington Savings Fund Society, and we're headquartered in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm based in, in Glen Burnie, Maryland, so I'm local. Um, and actually, with this bank, you know, is really looking to um, expand their SBA portfolio um, in the four states, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, um, and uh, yeah, those, those states. So um, if you have a business located in those states, I can certainly help you. Um, my best contact for me is my cell, which is 973-412-5800. 
Um, if you have any questions about SBA, how to get started with an SBA loan, don't hesitate to reach me, um, to reach out to me. So thank you guys for having me on this program today, and I look forward to a great 2020. Thank you so much. It was great information. I know our listeners are going to benefit from it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Passionpreneur Podcast. If you liked it, tell someone else about it. Go ahead and share it out. And also make sure you click that subscribe button and follow us and listen to every week's episode. I am your host, Ryan C. Green. You can reach me at www.ryancgreen.com. Follow me on all social media at Raji Speaks. I look forward to working with you, talking to you soon. And just remember, if the best part about going to work is getting off of work, it's time to become a passionpreneur. Thank you.